Good, 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 good. It's a pleasure to be here. My pleasure to be here. Uh, get to open the scriptures together. Uh, get to study God's word. Thank you to the team. Uh, what a great way to lead us into the presence of God. Allow the Holy Spirit uh, just to fill this place, to fill our praises as we sing to Him. Uh, it's been a great morning. Um, my name is Sean Green. For the last eight to nine months, uh, we've been over, my wife and I, we've got four little ones. One, two, three, four. The oldest is six. Talk about how crazy I am later, okay? Uh, we've been over at the Glenmore campus, uh, formerly known as the Abbey. We've been there for about eight, nine months, middle of May. Uh, we kind of stepped in interim, kind of help give some leadership there, preach on Sundays, and uh, carry them through the summer. And uh, you can be in prayer for that campus as uh, things are ramping up. Uh, come February, there's going to be a new uh, leader stepping in. Uh, the church is all working through that and affirming that and praying into that. So you can be in prayer that God's going to do a work over there. Uh, that they're just set, I get the, the, have the sense that they're just set to really take off over in Glenmore, so it's been our pleasure to, to help out there. It's my pleasure to be here and fill in for Glenn. I uh, don't know what he does on his days off. Maybe he's uh, sitting in a hot tub somewhere, a little mani-pedi going on. I don't really, you know, is that right? Okay, to a T. Okay, but I don't know if he's told you, lights are coming up. Like, you are just beautiful people. Can I just say that? Like, you are good looking. I don't know if Glenn ever tells you that. Okay, uh, okay, but let's get back to things, Okay. They'll never invite you back. Preach the Bible. That's what we're here to do. So, uh, one thing I do love about the scriptures, one thing I love about the Bible is that when you look into them, okay, when we look at the scriptures, when we study them, allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate things in our life, the, the Bible acts like a mirror, okay? As we, as we pour into it, it's living and active. Uh, what the scripture reveals to us, it can, can reveal in our own self as we're looking into the mirror, we can see, well, this, this sin needs to be repented of. Okay, this place in my heart needs breakthrough through prayer. This place in my heart needs to, to be corrected. This place needs to be encouraged. We can see all of that as we look into the scriptures. That's why God has preserved it for us, the word of God, over these many, many, many centuries. Right? God has preserved the word of God for us. It's for our flourishing. It's for our benefit. And so that's why we gather. We lift up the name of Jesus in worship, and we lift up the name of Jesus through the preaching of his word. And that's why we're here, and that's what we're about to do. Can we do that together? Okay, is that okay? Okay, so right now I want to start with Psalm 63. I'm going to set the tone, kind of set the direction for our time together this morning, where we're headed. Uh, David is writing this psalm in, uh, in Psalm 63, and this is what he says. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water so i've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you so i will bless you as long as i live in your name i will lift up my hands my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when i remember you upon my bed and meditate on on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. I want to pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you with open hands, with open hearts, uh, with open Bibles, open minds, God, to hear from you, to know you, to allow your Holy Spirit to speak. God, we bring the kingdom of God over this room today the authority and rule of jesus christ over this space we silence all other voices in jesus name we allow only your voice to speak to us reveal to us what needs to be revealed through your scriptures this morning 
Pray for every heart in this room, every soul, every life, every family represented. Holy Spirit, that you would do your work in each one of us this morning. We give you permission and we invite you now. God, we invite you to speak. We invite you to move and do your work. We give you freedom and permission to do it. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you something this morning. Are you thirsty? Simple question, okay? We all like a a cool drink on a hot day. Okay, are you thirsty? That's the question we're talking this morning. There's something uh, so satisfying about about chugging a a tall, ice-cold glass of fill-in-the-blank. Milk, water, uh, juice, beer. Not going to go there, but okay, between you and the Lord, okay? Soft drink companies would love uh, to tell us that uh, whenever we're thirsty that we would reach for the real thing. Okay, that's what they tell us. Grab a, a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi. Remember the Sprite ads tell us to obey your thirst. Okay, grab a Sprite. Remember the, the Nestle commercials reaching a little bit back in, in uh, when I was a kid. You used to have this commercial, maybe remember it. Remember they would, they would drink the Nestle, take the Nestle plunge, remember that? They would just fall into this, in the middle of their living room, all of a sudden the pool of water would just open up. Okay? They're trying to tell you that it's, if you drink Nestle, you're going to be so refreshed. It's going to quench your thirst. Okay, you know what I'm talking about, that feeling of, of being refreshed, of, of having your thirst quenched. It's a good feeling, right? Okay, especially your throat's parched on a hot day, your mouth is dry. Uh, there's nothing better than an ice-cold drink, okay, just to satisfy your thirst. The question this morning is, are you thirsty? Okay, now originally, a little bit about me, I'm from Calgary, born and raised, Calgary, Alberta. Uh, it's quite a bit more dry here, or dry there than it is here. Okay, especially in the winter time. Now, as dry as it is here, it's very dry over in Calgary. I you know if you've been there through the winter. Now, uh, last 10 years, my wife and I have been involved in vocational ministry, been around a little bit. Um, and now I work at a boat dealership in West Kelowna. Moved up to Kelowna in May. And I used to tell people, it's really good. I really enjoy selling boats. Uh, but it's, it's just, I stand on the pulpit. I used to worship and say, whoa, people, you need Jesus. Now they walk in and I tell them, you need a boat. It just doesn't hold the same weight, doesn't feel the same, doesn't have the same effect. But anyway, I'm from Calgary originally. Uh, myself and Amanda, we just spent the last uh, seven years over on Vancouver Island and then over in the lower mainland. Uh, just moved up last spring. So uh, one of the things I want to tell you is that dry uh, is not a word I'd use to describe the, the coast. Just from the UK, okay, maybe you know what I'm talking about as well. It's just dry isn't the place. Uh, it's not what you'd use to describe the place. In fact, we moved from a town called Rainy Haney, is what it was nicknamed, the place Maple Ridge is where we were, but every time we go back to Calgary, I to visit my, my family, uh, and Amanda's extended family is there as well, we stare at my parents' house, and we've learned over the years that our bodies had just adjusted to, especially being on the coast, just how wet it is out there, okay, uh, and then, so at night, we would grab, like, before we go to bed, three bottles of water each, like, bottles like this, and we put them beside uh, our night table, Okay, on each side, and, and through the night, we wouldn't even wake up. We'd be so thirsty that we would just grab the bottle and chug the whole thing. We'd wake up, and there's like empty water bottles strewn about the bed, and each one of us is waking up like this, okay, because we just got to go, right? It's a joke. You can laugh at that, yes? That's, yay, there, you guys are good. I'm going to tell Glenn, okay? So this idea that, that we're, our bodies were so thirsty, okay? We needed to be satisfied. We needed to be quenched and refreshed with water. The question again this morning is, are you thirsty? Not on the physical level. I'm not asking if you want a bottle of water or want to grab a coffee after. What I'm talking about is at your, your soul level. 
your heart level, your deepest inner being, starting 2017, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? At the core of who you are in your deepest heart, are you thirsty? Is there a longing, is there a craving in your soul, a need to be satisfied with deep and eternal things? And that's the question Jesus is asking us in our text this morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, okay, or your phone app, uh, version, whatever you use to access the scriptures, turn with me. We're going to be in John 7 this morning, John chapter 7. Uh, we're going to focus on two verses, but we're going to read a good chunk of scripture to kind of set the stage, set the context for what's going on. Okay, we're going to read from the beginning of chapter 7, verse 1 of, of the book of John. It begins like this. John chapter 7 says, after this, after this, okay, just pause right there. After this, after what? Someone say, after what? After what? Okay, it's a good question. After this, meaning John 6, remember we said that every, uh, or like the scripture is a mirror, okay, every word is placed in there, every chapter, every verse is there for a reason. God's kept it there for a reason. So when it says after this, I want to look back at John chapter 6, look back at what happened before so we get the context of what he's talking about. After what? After this means John chapter 6. We flip back there, we see here's a brief overview. What happened in John chapter 6, Jesus uh, is, is on ministry, he's on mission, he's actively engaged in bringing the kingdom of God wherever he goes, okay, and he's just fed the 5,000, okay, 5,000 people plus men plus women, uh, or sorry, 5,000 men plus women and children, so lots of people, groups are surrounding him, they're following him everywhere he goes, his popularity is on the rise, Okay, he's performing great signs and miracles and wonders, he's walking out on the water to his disciples, Okay? Then he starts to say uh, that he's the bread of life come down from heaven. We see that in John chapter 6. Okay? And then he, he, so the people, especially the Jewish audience, are like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like the manna from heaven, when our people were rescued in the desert, you're, you're kind of likening yourself to that miracle. Is this what's happening here? So his popularity is on the rise. He starts to say some things that don't really jive with the people. Okay? He starts to, to kind of rub them the wrong way. He says, I'm the bread of life come down from heaven. Then he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Okay, unless, uh, you have no part of me unless the Father draws you to me. And the people start to grumble. Okay, start to get angry. Say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Isn't this the son of Mary and Joseph? And he's from Nazareth. We know this. Okay, I grew up with this guy. He's saying that he's come down from heaven. Okay, no, no, no. This is, this is like... This is the way it's supposed to go. I mean, I'm all for the miracle worker. I'm all for the, the feeding of the 5,000 thing, you know, the bread and fish. That was good. I'll have some more, right? They want the, the Jesus, they want that guy that kind of breaks through and, and does things for them and in them. But, but when he starts to say hard things, starts to say like, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood stuff, like what is going on here? Okay, that's not the Jesus I want to follow. And so what you see is that people start to desert him. People start to fade away. Okay, maybe see a bit of yourself in there. Maybe if we're honest with, with ourselves, we love the Jesus that brings blessing and health and prosperity in all 2017. I'm going to make the most money I've made ever. This is going to be the year because Jesus is going to pour it out. Come on. Okay, he lets you live the way you think is best. He doesn't upset your patterns of thinking, your patterns of behavior. Maybe that's the Jesus you love. If we're honest, we don't like being told what to do. Right? We want to we just use our, our freedom to do whatever we want. We don't, we don't like the idea that there's actually rules, there's actually boundaries, there's some things that aren't in our best interest. 
Okay? We don't like being told that unless we're willing to leave our father, our mother, brother, sister, everything we know, everything that's comfortable, we have no part in him. That's not the Jesus we want to follow. Following Jesus means we must be willing to suffer. What's that about? Must be willing to take up our cross. Must be willing to face persecution for the sake of the gospel, the sake of the kingdom. We don't want to hear that. That doesn't sit well with us. We don't want to follow that. Maybe you see yourself. Again, it's a mirror. Maybe you see yourself in there. Some of us would would probably rather walk away. If we were back in that day and Jesus started talking about that, maybe we'd be along with the crowd, just kind of slowly drifting off, leaving him alone, leaving him to do his thing. Okay? That's exactly what's happening here. It's because they didn't get what they wanted started to say things that, that they didn't like to hear. Okay, everyone leaves him. And Jesus says to his disciples, we're still in John 6. Remember, how many disciples were there? Somebody tell me. There are 12. How many did he just feed? 5,000 men, plus women, plus children, thousands of people. Now there's 12. Everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. He's come off feeding the thousands. 12 are left, and he says... Uh, even the disciples say to him in John 6 verse 60 he's talking about this blood and, blood and flesh and all this stuff he, the disciples themselves say boy this is a hard teaching we don't really this doesn't sit well with us what are you talking about here this isn't tickling our ears this isn't the, the Jesus the miracle worker that was so famous but the crowd's following him and Jesus knows their hearts he says to him you guys want to leave as well thousands are gone You're, it's only 12 left are you going to go and in a moment of brilliant clarity and wisdom I love what Peter says his response to Jesus' question of, are you going to leave he says where else would we go for you and you alone hold the words of eternal life wow wow nice job Peter he says you're the holy one of God that's the context John chapter 6 Okay, now John 7 when it says after this that's what's going on Okay, now, his, Jesus' popularity is, had risen. Now it's waning. Almost everybody's deserted him. Now we pick up John 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because of the Jews. They were seeking to kill him. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. We'll talk about that in a bit. So his brothers said to him, Leave here, go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. See, they want the popularity. They want the crowds. They want all the fame. Okay, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time's not yet come. Your time is always here. The world cannot hate you because it hates, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast, I'm not going to go. My time's not yet come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. So his brothers had gone up to the feast. And then Jesus follows Okay, not publicly, but in private. Verse 11, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? There was much muttering about him among the people. Uh, some said, he's a good man. No, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. And the Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learned, has learning, he's, he's brilliant when he's never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but it's him who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? 
And the crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a whole man's body well? He's referring to a healing that he had done earlier. Jesus says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. You kind of see the tension, see the argument going on back and forth. Okay, some of the people in Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and yet they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. When the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. You see that? They're just wrestling in their minds. Okay? We know what the scripture says. We know what the prophecies say. And th- like, this guy seems to check a lot of the boxes. But, but, but yet he's saying things that we weren't expecting him to say. And it's not exactly the way we thought it was going to be. People are back and forth trying to figure out who this Jesus is. Okay? He says, uh, Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, verse 28. As he taught in the temple, you know me. You know where I come from. I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. God's in control. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. The chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, you will not find me. For where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does, what is he talking about? Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you, you seek me, you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And here's our text for today. Verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Okay? So, that's the big story. What's happening here? Jesus is at the Feast of Booths. uh, Also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Little history. The Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles was an eight-day-long celebration in the Jewish calendar. Okay, they, the purpose of the, of the feast was to remember God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. Okay, and the provision of God as they wandered in the desert. Specifically, the, the bread from heaven and the water from the rock. That's what they're uh, here to commemorate, here to remember and celebrate. It's an eight day long celebration. Now, a couple of commentaries I studied put it this way. It said, the Feast of Tabernacles takes place on the 15th of the Hebrew month, Tishri was the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar and usually occurs in late September to mid-October. The feast begins five days after the Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. That's the day once a year. Uh, one priest enters the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifice, to atone for the sins of the people. Okay, see the prophetic shadowing of who Christ is and what he would do. And the Feast of Booths was when all the people made pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem to remember God's provision for them for, in the 40 years in the desert. The influx of people coming to Jerusalem at the time, we can imagine that the scene must have been like thousands upon thousands of people coming together. They were remembering, they were celebrating, they were feasting, uh, praising God for his deliverance, for his provision, all living in temporary shelters or booths as part of the requirements because remember, they were in the desert. They didn't have homes. They were remembering that they, they lived in temporary uh, dwellings. During the eight-day period, so many sacrifices were made 
that it required all 24 divisions of priests to be present to assist in the sacrificial duties. So you, notice, you get how big this thing is? Okay, how many people would have been around? Uh, you probably couldn't even walk through the streets. Okay, it would have been just crowded, like, like uh, what's something? I, I was talking to a guy, and he was down in Miami for New Year's. He was like 100,000 people crowded. It's like Times Square. Okay, poor Mariah Carey. Oh, goodness. Right? It's like, like that kind of people. You're just jammed. It's just full. Okay? Now, remember, where I said, every chapter and verse are there for a reason. Now, listen to this. The occasion and date of this great saying talking about our text today, are carefully given by the evangelists because they throw much light on its significance and importance. It was on the last day. Remember it said the great day of the feast that Jesus stood up and cried? Okay, so the anniversary of this day, the Jews still do as they used to. In many a foul ghetto and frowsy back street of European cities, you will find them sitting beneath the booths of green branches commemorating the Exodus and its wonders. Part of that ceremonial uh, was that on each morning of the seven, possibly on the eighth, the last day, a procession of white robe priests would wind down the rocky footpath from the temple to Siloam. What's the place that uh, the, the, there's a pool there? Okay, Jesus did a healing in that pool, right? Remember that? Uh, the man who uh, he was blind from birth and Jesus healed him at that pool. That's where we're talking about. So the, the, the priest would, would wind down the path from the temple to the pool And there, in a golden vase, they drew water from the spring, chanting as they ascended and re-entered the temple gates, where they poured out the water as a libation, the words of the prophet, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, you see the symbolism here, okay? The water is a symbol of their salvation. It's a symbol of their deliverance. How God himself had rescued them, how God himself had provided for them who would not leave his people as they were wandering in the desert. Okay, so he pictured the scene. Thousands of people, priests robed in white, toiling their way up the pathway through the crowds into the temple. Okay, sparkling water is poured out with choral song. And then as the priests stood with their empty vases, everyone remembering the greatness of God and what he did uh, by bringing food to them, bringing water to them, there's a little stir in the crowd. And a man who had been standing, who had been watching, he lifts up a loud voice. And he says, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Strange words to say anywhere and anywhere. Daring words to say in the temple court. For there and then they could mean nothing less than Christ himself laying his hand on the old miracle which was pointed to when the rock yielded the water and asserting that all that the miracle did, everything that it typified was repeated, fulfilled, and transcended in himself. Jesus is saying that not for a a handful of nomads in the wilderness, but for all the world, for all generations, what Jesus is saying is he cries out in the middle of the crowds is saying that I am the rock from which living waters flow. I am the rock in the desert. I'm the one which David's soul thirsts for in Psalm 63. He's talking to the woman at the well. He's saying, I'm the well. I am the well. Come to me and drink. You've got to feel the anguish of Jesus' words. You've got to feel uh, in, in his heart his pain, right? He's surrounded by crowds of people who are supposedly coming to worship God. And the God they're coming to worship is standing right in front of them. And they miss him. His brothers don't believe in him. The people doubt him. They accuse him of having a demon. They seek to arrest him. They seek to kill him. And finally, Jesus cries out in desperation, if only you would come to me. 
If only you would come to me. If you would turn to me, you would seek me and pursue me. You would receive rivers of living water. If only you would come to me and drink. You would, those rivers of living water would lead unto salvation. You feel the tension. You, you feel the invitation. Okay? You picture the scene and all, the, all what Jesus is doing. He's so brilliant that at that very moment, when the people are remembering that, that they struck the rock and water came out and the Lord provided for us so that we can drink and not die, Jesus is saying, you, don't want, you, want, to, you want to come to heaven, right? You want to drink the water that you won't die if you drink it? Come to me. I'm the water. I'm the rock. I'm the well. I am the source. That's what Jesus is saying here. And that invitation from him to come and drink is the same imitation then as it is today. Again, our question is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Have you been caught up? Maybe you come to church, you've been coming a long time, you're just caught up in the ceremony of it. Okay? You know how to dress, you know how to act, you know what to say, you know how to pray, you know when to lift your hands, you know to clap after the songs. Okay? You know how it works. You know, Be blessed, brother, I'm going to pray for you. God is good all the time. But you're truly the question is, are you truly longing and thirsting for Jesus? Or are you just kind of putting on the show because you know what to do? Because you've been here a long time. Are you thirsting for Jesus? Are you finding satisfaction? Finding refreshing? You're finding quenching in your soul? That nothing and no one else can satisfy. That's the place we need to get to. Maybe you're here this morning, you're new to church. For a long time, maybe you feel the, the tugging to get to a church. You know, it's 2017, it's New Year's, I've got to get right with God. I've got to make a change in my life. I'm sick of the way I've been living, sick of the way I've been acting. I'm going to get my act together. This is the year. And so now you're in church this morning. Maybe you don't really know why you're here. Maybe you just were drawn to this place. I want to say welcome to you. But whether you've attended church for years or this is your very first Sunday, the question to each of us is the same. Are we thirsty? Are we a thirsty people? If you're new this morning, maybe you know that you're thirsty. You recognize in your soul this, this need, uh, this desire, this longing that you've tried for many years to fill with many things and all have left, uh, left you feeling empty. Well, I want to tell you today that there is one person who can quench that thirst. There is one who can satisfy. So again, are you thirsty? Okay, and maybe, maybe you're starting 2017, you're saying, Jesus, I want more. I want more, I want more, I want more. Uh, I, I love coming, I love praising you, I love hearing your word proclaimed, but Jesus, I'm just, uh, I'm fully satisfied in you, but I'm just not satisfied. I want more, I want more. Well, there's a way to get more. We have a set-free weekend, January 19th and 20th, we've talked about that. Can you attend that if you haven't? Uh, you're going to see the Holy Spirit really break through and eliminate some things in your life that just, He wants to free you from. Right, so attend that weekend. We've got the 21 days of prayer. Okay, you've got the cards in your bulletin. Three things, uh, three areas that you're just saying, Lord, uh, I've served you, I've walked with you for a long time, but I've just, I need some victory here. I need some breakthrough here. All right, maybe you just, you've got to write the, the names of people, friends, family that you're praying for. I know in my own life, uh, I was talking with my, my grandparents last night, and they pray every day every single day for each one of their grandkids and their spouses and their great-grandkids, right? This big family that they have, they pray for everyone by name. My grandma was saying to me that she just, a lot of times will get discouraged because she just doesn't see breakthrough. She doesn't see victory. She's just like, we're just praying and praying and praying and nobody's coming. There's no change, right? The ground is just hard. 
And in my own life, my, my sister's husband, not a Christian, uh, backstory is uh, his, his father passed away suddenly just a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden, uh, the thing when uh, somebody passes away, eternity is just right in front of your face. You can't miss it. You can't look around it as we all like to do. But all of a sudden, what happens when we die is right here. And he just feels this tugging and this longing. And uh, you attend a, a service, a uh, Christmas Eve service, they're out in Calgary. Uh, and the, the pastor there, he leads in a, leads in a prayer. He says, maybe you, you're here. Maybe you just feel this tugging and longing that you need to get yourself right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And he prays. And, and my brother-in-law, he grabs my sister's hand. And tears are streaming down his face. He gives his heart to the Lord. He gives his life to the Lord. So I phoned my grandma and said, did you know this happened? And she, she starts crying on the phone because she's saying, Lord, I just need that kind of breakthrough. We just never hear of any stories of victory and breakthrough. But it happens. You just you cannot stop praying. Okay, so maybe you need to write uh, somebody's name down here and say, okay, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to pray for them because I know that Jesus is on about saving the lost. That's what he does. That's what he came to do. Okay, even when it doesn't look like it's happening, it happens. Okay, in the midst of that, that Christmas Eve service, probably 3,000 people in attendance. It's a big church in Calgary. There's one guy I know for sure. Tears streaming on the face, open heart before the Lord saying, Jesus, I need you. And I need you to forgive my sin. And I'm sorry. Would you be Lord of my life? It happens. That's the work that God does. Maybe you need that kind of breakthrough. Maybe you're thirsty for that this year, this 2017. I'm going to invite the team to come. And they're going to lead us in a closing song. But I'm going to lead you in this simple prayer. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you're here for the first time. Or maybe you've been kind of wrestling. You grew up in church and you're just not in line, right, with where you know you need to be. Well, we're going to pray. We're going to commit. We're going to ask the Lord into your heart for the first time. Maybe you're going to pray with me. It's a simple prayer. We're going to invite you to give your life to Jesus. So I'm going to pray. If you want to pray along with me, we're going to ask the Lord uh, to be Lord of your life. Right? We're going to ask Him to be your King. The most important relationship for every one of us is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Choosing to believe that He is who He claimed to be. The Son of God. The only way to salvation. When we receive Him by faith as Lord and Savior, it's the most vital act anyone will ever do. For we want, we want life, don't we? And He is life. And we need cleansing, we need refreshing, we need quenching. And guess what He is in our text today? What do you say He was? I'm the living water. I'm the living water. So let me pray. If you want to pray with me, you can just pray in your heart. Simple prayer. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sin, my self-centeredness, every part of my life that does not please you, I ask you to forgive me. I choose you today. I give myself to you. And I receive your forgiveness And I ask you to take your rightful place in my life as Savior and Lord. Come and reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life. Help me to become a person who is truly loving a person like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed this prayer today, if you've re- 
kind of come back if you've given your life for the first time. Don't leave here without telling anybody. Okay, come to the front. Tell me and tell somebody on the team. Tell the gang at the back. Okay, Curtis, who was up here earlier. We want to walk with you. Now that you've, you've said, Jesus, you're, you're my captain, we want to help you get on the boat. Right? We want to help get you a job to do in the family and in the body. We want to help you to live out your, your new life, your new creation.